0: Pastor, I thought you made a slip of the lip there a little bit ago, but it was not you, your speech, it was my hearing. I, I thought you said you know, something about communion being a medication instead of meditation. And then I got to thinking, before I got that clear in my mind, Well, maybe speaking prophetically. And when you get to thinking about it, Communion is a spiritual medication because what it represents and what it does for us does help us to heal, to be restored. This morning, I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. And I've had several titles for this message and uh, uh, at first I was going to call it the fourth cross, and then I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about the cross that that we have to bear. And uh, uh, you can put your own title on it afterward, but I want to ask you to look with me at Matthew, the 10th chapter, and uh, verse 38, and it's not a very long text, but it is really pregnant with a vital, vital thing of importance for us. Matthew 10 and verse 38. And Jesus said, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Lord, let your word penetrate our defenses. Let your word penetrate our excuses. We pray that the Holy Spirit will so warm our hearts with the loving embrace that you offer to us, Lord, through the suffering that you went through, through the cross that you were crucified on. May our hearts be warmed, Lord, to want to take up our cross and follow you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you turn to your neighbor and look him square in the eye and say, I want to hear this. Okay. Now I hope you didn't lie. We all know that there were two others that hung with Jesus on the cross that day when he was offered up in crucifixion. But there's another cross that Jesus talked about before his crucifixion. And that was in Luke 14:27. For his words were recorded, and whosoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I gave the wrong reference on that, I'm sorry. The one I just read, Matthew 10.38, is the correct one. The cross of Christ is represented in various ways. We, We make beautiful crosses, such as this one here, representing the cross of Christ. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't take anything I say uh, as a criticism of that. I, I think that uh, it, it's great that churches have the cross uh, illustrating that our existence is because of the cross. And our love of the cross is demonstrated in the, the things that we do. But... Uh, The true cross of Christ didn't look anything like this. I'm sure you all know that. It was ugly. It was stained with blood. It was an instrument of death and suffering. It was the instrument that God appointed for your sins and for mine to be paid for. If we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. Without the cross, all that you have is a tradition. And it's important for us to understand that Jesus' suffering was more than just bearing a cross up the Via Dolorosa, it was more than just having the scourge, the cat of nine tails, shredding his back. It was much more than that. He hung for hours, nailed to the cross, with those cruel Roman spikes going through both his hands and his feet. Jesus and the cross go together. And they are two parts of one story, two parts of one experience. Extremely important for us because you separate the two and it doesn't quite have the effect that it needs to have on each of our lives. For God's purpose, the cross served as a place where sin was judged, where God's righteous demands for punishment, for breaking his laws, for living lives in which we were guilty of sin, his, his right as judge of the universe to demand payment for sin. That's where our sins were judged and paid for. When you look at a cross, whether you wear one or whether you're in a building such as this and you're looking at one, that cross represents a whole lot more than tradition. The problem with a lot of Christians is the cross is just a tradition. It's just a thing that we talk about. It's just a thing that we look at and and sometimes ponder. But what we need to understand is that the cross represents our sins. It represents God's ability to, to meet you and me. It represents a pathway by which we can come into the very presence of God as sons and daughters and ask the Lord to forgive us and to help us. The cross, while it was an instrument of pain and suffering, By the way, if the Romans could have invented anything that caused more suffering than that, they would have done it. It was intended as an instrument of punishment. And as Jesus hung on the cross, and get this now, as he hung on the cross, one of the cries that he made from the cross was this, Father! Why have you forsaken me? I'm pausing, not because I'm slow in thinking. I am slow in thinking, too, but it's not because of that. I'm pausing because I want that to sink in. For the first and only time in all of history, there was a breach between the Father and the Son. God had to turn his face away from the cross, away from his Son that was suffering on the cross. And in Isaiah, the 52nd chapter and the 10th verse, we read this. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm." In the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. When God made the entire universe it was a simple it, it, it was just his handiwork. He flung the universe into space and we have all of these millions and trillions of stars there. It didn't cause a a single drop of perspiration on his forehead. It didn't cause him to sweat. But when it came to providing salvation for you and for me, God rolled up his sleeves. He laid bare his holy arm. And he went to work on the hardest thing that he's ever had to do. He judged and penalized sin. We don't look at sin today as it has been, as we used to look at it. We used to see sin as an awful and ugly thing, but today we call it mistakes. God didn't say it was that. He wouldn't have done all of that. He wouldn't have allowed his son to suffer like that because we made mistakes. There was something in mankind that went far deeper. It was something that was part of the very fiber of mankind's makeup. It was a sinful nature. And something had to go deeper than just an apology. Something had to go deeper than just an acknowledgement of making a mistake. It had to go into the very heart and excise the roots of sin out of the nature, out of our human nature. And only God's forgiveness and the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ could achieve that. I don't want to go into all the gory details of what Jesus went through on the cross. I think you've got the picture. But the cross is one of the most vital things that any of us should have as an active working agent in our spiritual experience. The Apostle Paul talked about it In his life, he said, I die daily. If you haven't seen yourself on the cross in Jesus Christ, you don't understand salvation. Because you were crucified with him. The scripture says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you, Sam, for leading us in that song of worship. I love that the wonderful cross. What a song it is. God rolled up his sleeves. And he went to work in putting the penalty for your sins and mine. Now, get this. From Adam until the last man that lives on this earth, Jesus died for every human being's sin. How does that work? It works like this. Your sins have been paid for, but until you acknowledge that it was you that put him on the cross, until you recognize that your repentance and asking forgiveness and inviting Jesus Christ into your heart Until you've done that, the effects, the power of the cross, the power of God's forgiveness cannot become an active working agent in you. But when it does, oh, hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah! The joy and peace that comes when the load of guilt and sin is rolled off and you can stand up a free man. You can stand up clean and whole and you can breathe the fresh air of the kingdom's atmosphere. Oh, the cross. The cross, how wonderful the cross. It was not a thing of beauty. Don't anybody get the idea that because we have a beautiful cross here, because we can buy beautiful jewelry that has the cross on it, that somehow that's the way the cross was. No way. The cross of Jesus, again, was ugly. It was rough. It was as miserable an instrument of suffering and death as anything could be. It was stained with his blood. Thinking about that. Anybody who might entertain romantic notions about the death of Christ on the cross just does not have a grasp on the reality of it all. I read that somewhere. I thought it was worthwhile to put in this sermon. There was a man named Simon who was a spectator, and he came in, it says, from the country. He was Simon of Cyrene, which was, I I believe, Ethiopia. It was northern Africa. He came in from the country, and out of the thousands who lined the way watching as Jesus carried the cross, he was picked by the Roman soldiers to help Christ carry the cross the rest of the way because he stumbled under the weight of it. The Bible says he had two sons, Alexander and Rufus. And uh, church history tells us that uh, these two sons were known later in Rome as Christians, as also Simon later became a Christian. Simon is introduced into the story in an interesting way. He was introduced to the suffering of Jesus almost as an accident. But you can see that it became God's divine purpose in his life. He wasn't expecting to come on the scene of Jesus suffering, and carrying the cross. He wasn't expecting to see Jesus go to the cross. to the cross. He just came in out of town and wondered what was going on, joined the crowd. Bang! He's drafted. And some of you here today came to know Jesus Christ in a similar fashion. Your life was interrupted by something that happened. Maybe a disaster, maybe a problem. But something caused you to stop in your tracks and to consider Jesus Christ. And because you took a good look at him, because you got a look at him up close and personal like Simon, you recognized the validity of his claims and surrendered to his will. And I want to say to you this morning that that's what salvation's all about. But that's not all of it. Salvation in Jesus is part. But the second part is seeing Jesus go to the cross for you. And salvation, I'll just say this, salvation without Jesus is not the real thing. And salvation without the cross is not the real thing. The two are two parts of one story, one experience. And we have to recognize it as such. I have a curious mind. When I see a series of accidents that happen, like uh, this happened with Simon, I begin to suspect that they were not accidents at all, but part of a divine plan. And if you're here this morning, and for some reason or other, your experience has either grown cold or maybe you've never stepped across the line and had an up-close and personal encounter with Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you to make that step to not miss getting to know the Lord who died for you in such a way as he did. Jesus stumbling under the weight of the cross Forced circumstances on Simon he had not foreseen. And I want to say it's much better if we allow circumstances in this life to bring us to a decision point to choose Jesus Christ than it would be to wait until eternity when everything is signed, sealed, and delivered. Word says after death comes the judgment. It's an awesome thing to think in terms of going into eternity without knowing the Lord, without having an assurance in your heart that you've been born again, your sins are forgiven. The greatest thing that you can know when you lay down your head on your pillow at night is that if the Lord takes you in your sleep, you're ready to go. You can sleep the sleep of a baby and wake up in the morning with a song in your heart and know that your, hand, your life is in the hands of God, no matter what's going on. Whether you have an accident, whether your heart stops, or whether you live to be 150 years old, that you're in the hands of God. Oh, my brother and sister, the joy and peace that God gives when you come to know him as your Lord and Savior, there is no substitute for it. You may be going through some circumstances right now that you don't understand. Let me tell you, Jesus knows. And it may just be that those circumstances are God's divine plan to bring you to an up-close experience with Jesus. Don't miss that opportunity. Simon could not refuse the cross. But you can. You can say, that's not for me. But without the cross and without Jesus together, all you have is religion without spirituality. And that's part of the reason why that a lot of people today who name the name of Christ are confused and do not have the power that the Bible says that they should have. Just in the way of concluding I want to point out three things about Simon that I, I think are important. He's important to us because his encounter with Jesus was an unexpected interruption of his timing and plans. Don't let the opportunity that's given you by that be passed up. Secondly, his experience tied Jesus and the cross together. Not two separate and unrelated events, but one experience having two parts. You've got to have them both. Both. Jesus without the cross isn't real, and the cross without Jesus isn't real. Put them together. Thirdly, his experience with Jesus that day was very personal. He wasn't just getting acquainted with the Jesus of prophetic history. And a lot of people call themselves Christians because they give head knowledge or they nod the head in agreement that they accept the historical Jesus. And they call it Christianity. Being a Christian must involve a personal relationship up close and personal with Jesus. Without it, it's not real. I want to conclude with this this morning. I have a question for you. My question to you this morning is this do you have the real thing A little lady went to her pastor years ago and she said pastor i was complaining to the lord about the cross that i have been called to bear, and I told the Lord it was too heavy, and I asked Him if He would give me something lighter. She said, "In a, a, a dream, He took me into this large area where there were crosses of all different sizes and shapes and colors." There were beautiful crosses and there were ugly ones and there were large ones and there were small ones. And he said, put your cross down and walk in here and you pick out a new one. And she said, I looked at all of them, went through the whole place, and she said, I finally found one that was just right. She said, I'll take this one. He said, that's the one you came in with. What Jesus gives you as a life when you surrender yourself to him will be a perfect fit. Will you bow with me in prayer? Dear Lord, we are so very grateful for that time that you have given us up till now to get to know you and to serve you and for whatever time lies ahead of us, whether we are just one step from death's door or whether we have miles yet to go, we are grateful, Lord, for the opportunities you've given us. And Father, I pray that if there are any here this morning who do not know you, that they will recognize the importance of taking that step and stepping forth and saying, I want you, Jesus. I want to know the Jesus who loved me so much that he would go through all of that for me. There may be some here today who have been playing a Christian, but down deep in your heart you know that you haven't made that step of full surrender. And I want you to know that playing the game is going to cost you in the end. This isn't a game. This is reality. This is a must. It's a must. You must know Jesus Christ. You must be born again. And I plead with you the only way I can. Please don't leave here without Jesus if you're not born again. Are there any that would say, I need Jesus. I want to know this Jesus. I'm not ready to meet the Lord. Would you pray for me? I want to dismiss you, but I want to give opportunity for any who feel that you need to make a recommitment of your life to Christ. Perhaps something has been said that has stirred something inside of you and caused you to have some questions about where your experience is, where your relationship is with God. Maybe you're not sure. You can leave here with that assurance down deep inside. We're going to dismiss you, and if you want to pray or want prayer, know that we're here for you. and. We will be happy to pray with you and counsel with you. Lord, we ask you to cover us with your, your precious blood, that your love and mercy will be with each one of us, that, Lord, we will leave here with a newfound sense of your love and mercy and grace upon us, and that your presence will go with each one in keeping us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and you're dismissed
1: you, far away Stood and Dear Lamb of God, left His home.